Welcome to the life and times of Captain Barney Miller. I am your host, Mike White. Joining me, of course, is Mr. Chris Sashew. That is my name, and I am going to do some hot kung fu right now for whatever reason. It doesn't really ever come back, does it? But you know what it does make for? Really good entrance footage for the show. (laughs) I kept wondering where that footage was coming from, and then when it happened, I was like, oh, okay. The first six episodes of the seven episodes of the show is where... It's always funny to see the scenes that you see every week in the actual episode out of con- like in context versus out of context. And it makes just as little sense <laughs> in context as it does out of context. We we're talking about three episodes, the courtesans from February 20th, 1975, stakeout from February 27th, 1975, and bureaucrat from March 6th, 1975. So we're doing pretty good. Every week, they're putting out a new episode. Yeah, let's talk about the courtesans. And our man Wojciechowicz has a real problem with prostitution. Yeah, boy, Wojciechowicz, uh, not a good look <laughs> for his character. <laughs> He's almost the character that you want to like identify with until he does stuff like this. And then you're like, you are just a really insufferable ass. I mean, this is what I thought the wojo character was going to be like like i didn't know so that's on me right yeah well last time we talked where i was like oh i was surprised that wojo was okay with marty the gay guy i was kind of surprised and because i think i have in my mind i I remember one episode where there's a guy who has an american flag uh like on his back pocket or something and so wojo gets really upset you know how dare you sit on the american flag so that's always the impression that i have of wojo and this episode backs that up because he is just so bent out of shape about these prostitutes he's acting like they're heroin dealers they're just prostitutes dude last time i checked if you're a prostitute uh, you are doing a service that <laughs> that this country right now and in general really needs because there would be a lot less angry people in the world if they could just, you know, without shame or without consequence, other than the consequence of you not having safe sex, which they would anyways go and have sex with someone. Yeah, let's just put this out here that the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast, we're a pro-sex worker podcast. Hell yeah. One hundred percent so and wojo definitely diametrically opposed to that though i was diametrically opposed to just how poorly the jokes were landing on this episode it's like the guy at the applause switch had fallen asleep was jack sue in this episode i don't think he was it didn't feel like it because he is like the undercurrent of comedy through most of these episodes and he just if he was there I don't rem- if I don't remember him being there, I don't think he was, which is weird. But at the same time, you're completely right. There's like the jokes just aren't funny. They're going off and they're waiting for the laugh and there's no laugh coming. And I was like, do people not realize that these are jokes? Some of them were okay, but you're right. There were a lot of them where they just weren't that funny. I mean, I don't know if the writers are just trying to find their feet at this point, but we were laughing pretty good at the last three episodes. This one in particular just was not hitting for me. It's really weird to me how poorly this episode landed because it's not funny at all. The next two episodes we're going to be talking about are way better than this one. Almost shockingly, shockingly bad. I was a little shocked to see 
both Mrs. Miller and Rachel, the daughter, show up because I thought they were just completely written out at this point. <laughs> I thought his daughter was written out for sure. I mean, I knew his wife was going to come back, but his daughter, yeah, like, one-off character, okay. And they even mentioned the son at one point. I was like, oh, okay, he still has a son. Well, that's good. It's odd. I mean, with these shows, it's not that they didn't worry about continuity, but at the time in the 70s when this show aired, it wasn't the important thing. Continuity between episodes wasn't important. What was important was being able to just watch the episode and enjoy it as as a standalone piece of entertainment. But it is weird because they that first episode of the show, they're all there. And this is the fourth episode, fifth episode, and they're just all of a sudden back. And it's like, where have you been this whole time? What have you been doing? I mean, maybe it wouldn't have felt that long had we been used to watching weekly television shows. And I know Netflix and CBS All Access and those kind of things are trying to get us used to uh, weekly television shows again. But here we are in the age of DVD where I'm just watching one after another after another of these things or streaming. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm not used to not having this continuity between these episodes. On the one season show, another podcast that I do, we got into this same kind of weird rut on one of the shows we talked about, Kitchen Confidential, because a character was like introduced and then disappeared for three episodes and then just showed back up. While the characters don't bat an eye, the audience is like, wait, what? Where have they been? What what are you doing? And it's it's Who odd. Is this person? Yeah, and they don't address it. And I guess the expectation is that they shouldn't or they're not going to or they don't want to. And they don't. They don't address it in this episode. It's just, okay, here you are. And then obviously his wife does stick around for the next two episodes. But his daughter doesn't. You know what? Jack Sue is in this episode because I remember the bit at the very end, which was probably my favorite bit of the whole thing, which was Harris giving this very eloquent movie review, very Pauline Kael-esque, and Jack Sue is taking notes. At best, this is a tawdry flick, suffering from inept scripting, cheap Jack production values, and lackluster performances. <laughs> Despite these obvious disadvantages, this film has been doing boffo box office. Is there a report on that porno flick? DA's office called three times. Your mom is typing it up now. Finished? Yep. A man and a woman and another woman is a filthy movie. <laughs> what is? That's all? Hey, what happened to all that stuff I was dictating? I thought you were talking on the phone. <laughs> I mean, there was so much movement in the precinct house that you had these five prostitutes. I think it was one for each man working in the precinct. And then you also had Mrs. Miller and Rachel showing up. And then you even had one of the prostitutes' moms showing up. So you had a lot of people in this very small set. And again, this is a really Wojo-centric episode. Yeah, it was all taking place outside of Barney's door with Wojo and I think it was Linda, possibly the prostitute, yes. and just him constantly putting her down and just deriding her and her profession constantly. And then him secretly wanting to be with her, but then it sounds like he's a stalker when she's talking at the end about how he's harassing her and that he's like showing up at her place of business and all this. It's just like, whoa, Joe, you got to cool this shit out, man. You're turning into Travis Bickle. 
maybe it didn't phase people in the 70s, but thinking about it now, it's like, this is just... I mean, you hear about that kind of stuff with police. I mean, that that has happened. Police officers offering, you know, you know, well, you know, let's you know have sex and I'll let you go. And that's not what he's doing here, but it's not far from it. It makes me feel differently about the character than I did the last three episodes. Well, yeah, and I think it's supposed to be a big laugh line for us at the end that he wants to borrow $50 from Barney so that he can have sex with this woman. Yeah, it wasn't funny. It was just kind of sad. Instead of there being a laugh track, it should have been like the sad trombone. Wah, 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 wah. Like, well, and like she sticks it to him at the end, at least, which is good, which I did appreciate that. But yeah, overall, just compared to the last couple episodes, what a just what a thud, like a complete and utter just like wet fart of an episode. It's so disappointing. It is a touchy subject to approach in the 70s and now. I'm not the kind of person who, like we already said, we're we're a pro-sex worker podcast, and I'm a pro-sex worker just in general, because again, it takes a lot of a lot to be able to do that or want to do that, as opposed to being forced into it. And if you approach it in the way that this show approached it, it's not great, and the way people approach it now is drastically different in some respects, but the show approaches it in a way that's not great. Because they're talking about like, hey, it's February, you already busted them once this month, and it's like... Do they do this on a monthly basis with this go-go club that they busted for prostitution? So it's almost like it's almost like they're taking a little bit of graft because they have to pay fines every month. It's like that's how the city operates. It does feel like they're taking a graft. It, it totally does. It does. It really like thinking about it. It totally does. Yeah, they should have probably had that guy from the last episode, you know, show up and bust the whole uh, place for for taking bribes. But then I guess it just goes right into the city's pocket instead of to their pockets. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's forget that this episode ever happened, please. Stakeout doesn't necessarily hit right as a February episode because they are going through a heat wave and they they are conserving electricity, which I find to be amusing because this is 1975 after all, and we're in the middle of the oil crisis. And this is when you probably don't remember this, but uh, we used to have stickers on all of our um, light switches that would say, you know, remember to turn off the lights when you leave the room just because people were trying to conserve energy like crazy. And yeah, they're conserving energy at the precinct. So it's almost a little bit of a blessing in disguise that Barney and this other guy, DeLuca, are going to be on a stakeout. But then it also ends up that it is, I think Wojo is there. He's very excited to be there. And so is Fish. And Fish is grateful to be there because he told Bernice that they're getting a divorce. Very heavy subject for this. Talk about the best character in this episode is Bernice. She is just the definition of like a, a beaten down woman. Depressingly so. I was so surprised because I didn't think we were ever going to see Bernice until... We actually got to the fish show, but apparently she shows up at least six times during the run of this. She's really good. Like her character is good, but yeah, you feel for her because fish is fish at home and at the job. Like there's not a difference. He is the same person in both places. And that person, as much as I like that character is really a miserable sack of shit, but that's why I like him. Like that's why I identify with the character is like, I think he's the the best character in the show. And apparently everyone else agreed because they gave him a spinoff. So. so Barney is 
not only dealing with this stakeout that he's on, but also he can't shower because Mrs. Miller has torn up the kitchen, sorry, torn up the bathroom and then also is tearing up the kitchen. Kind of sounds like, I know some people, especially my mom was like this, she'll start a project in one room and then she won't finish that, but she'll move on to a project in another room and then pretty much the whole house is in disarray. And it's like, can you just finish one of these things? And that sounds very much like what Barney's going through. Just a side note to people who think about doing something like this, don't. Because that's how you get a house that's completely torn up and nowhere to do anything. Just one room at a time, like, and make sure that that room is perfect before you move on to somewhere else and start tearing stuff out. Because as someone who has done a fair amount of laborious home improvement stuff, you will always run into something that you don't expect and you don't know how to fix immediately. And this kind of shows here because Barney is literally showering in a stakeout apartment. <laughs> but how? But getting to see how Lyndon in just a towel, I mean... Oh, come on. I mean, boy, oh boy, I'll take it. I was so thrilled to see Vic Tayback as the owner of the apartment building and Brett Summers as his wife. And I could barely recognize Brett Summers because I only really know her from Match Game, where she is Brett Summers. So actually seeing her acting and without the huge glasses like she always had on on Match Game, it's like, who is this woman? Her voice is so familiar. And then it finally dawned on me. You have, uh, you. I mean, I know what Match Game is. Circle takes the square, right? No, that is That's uh, Hollywood, Hollywood Squares. Squares. Never yep. mind. I'm... Uh, boy, it even says in the title, doesn't it? Boy, sometimes you miss and then sometimes you just you just sail right past it and just into the water completely. I highly recommend if you ever get an opportunity to tune into Game Show Network and just watch a few hours of Match Game because it is fucking phenomenal. It is just a laugh riot and you could tell and I did ask some of the people that have been on the show. I was like, how did you film these? And they would say, oh, well, we would start in the morning and start drinking and we would record five shows and it would take us all day. So the Friday show, we would be completely blitzed because we started drinking that morning and just kept going throughout the entire day. What really bums me out, and this is a complete tangent, but this is a tangent you should go with us on for a second. It really bums me out how sanitized game shows are now because Paul Lind, Hollywood Squares, is amazing. I was turned on to it by my favorite movie, Freaked, because they make a extended Hollywood Squares joke in the movie. But God, game shows used to be like, and they weren't like dirty, but they were. And like, they were getting away with stuff that like, when you think of the 70s, like the late 60s, early 70s, and even into the 80s, you don't think about things that were really pushing the envelope being game shows, but they were really pushing the envelope. They were so risque. Yeah. They, it was pretty great. Yeah. Like Game Show Network, it's the the cure for it's the cure for the common cold to some extent, because like it really will like like bring you up just like watching these old game shows. I think they have some on Amazon Prime, actually. I know they have one of my favorites, which is from the nineties. They have Supermarket Sweep on there, and that is Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Game Show Network, man. Go you should be watching it. And I love Mr. Tannenbaum, the guy who runs the delicatessen across the street, who knows that he's going to get robbed at some point. So he's just bringing so much food and coffee and all these things for the guys on the stakeout. And just that everybody within a whole block radius knows that they're on a stakeout within like 
what, 10 minutes? And Wojciechowicz speaks Polish. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, because he's redeeming his character from being a sack of shit from the last episode. And he's so excited to have, like, shotguns, and this is where he does the karate, right, at the beginning of this It sure is. The karate that for no reason at all. It's literally not explained. Like, we're not exaggerating when we say it is not explained why he comes comes in in, in, Yeah, comes in doing karate and, like, in Fish's face and, like, freaking out. Like, why? You don't have to include the intro credit <laughs> sequence stuff in the actual show if it doesn't make any sense. I'm just just pointing that out. Like it's not it's not necessary. Just a heads up. I like this episode though. I I do like the 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 characters that are coming in and out of the uh apartment that are just, you know, local folks that are just glad to see the cops around, I guess. Yeah, and I like that there are a lot of gay jokes that uh, Vic Tayback thinks that Fish and Barney are a couple at first. And seems to be okay with it. And I was very happy about that as well. Yeah, uh, they make a great couple, let's be honest. Mike and I are going to start writing our uh, Fish and uh, Barney Miller slash fiction here pretty quick. Already written. First story. I'll have to send it to you. And then he caressed his mustache. I don't think we give Hal Linden enough credit. He is so good in this show. He is a perfect straight man for this group of characters. And, like, the relatable character at the heart of it. Because all the other characters, they are kind of caricatures in a way. And he's the one that doesn't really come across as a caricature. No, he's not a cartoon character whatsoever. And, like, Wojohowicz and, like, Fish and Sue, they all feel like cartoon characters. And that's fine, as long as you have one character who does ground the rest of the show. He's exactly that. Yeah, which I appreciate him for a lot. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And I knew that that Tannenbaum uh, alarm system that he put together, I knew that was going to come up at some point. But then I was still actually surprised at the end of the episode when it went off. And he's in a towel and he's shocked and trying to get to save him. He's running out of the door with a towel on and a shotgun. All right, Barney. I don't know how that's going to work, but okay. Great episode. And yeah, I was sad to see Bernice so sad, but I think she and Fish will, will work it out. It's a good episode to follow up how poor of an episode the last episode was. But I have to say, the bureaucrat was just okay. Kind of brings us back down a little bit. Wojo being a dick again. I mean, kind of understandable dick, though. Yeah, closing down the deli. I would not want to eat flies in my sandwich. I've been to Subway before. I, I, I don't need to ever go there again. You've been to Subway before, and that's more than most people can say for having gone to Subway in the last decade. I don't understand how that place stays open. There's never anyone in there. It's a front. It's like mattress firm. What are they selling? Because nobody's buying what they're selling. <laughs> Do you need me to tell you how to make the sandwich? Just make the sandwich. Yeah, it's up, it's up there on the menu. Like, just make it. I don't know. Tell them how to make the burger at McDonald's. They just take it out of the freezer, thaw it out, and there you go. I mean, it was pretty simple. Can I say the number one? I mean, there are, are sandwich shops, shops around that have like 100 sandwiches, and you, I don't have to follow them, them around and go, now put the mayo on, now put the this on. I do like that Jack Sue calls uh, lox and cream cheese sashimi and cream cheese. Like, he is a cartoon character. Like, he is a Japanese stereotype, but it's, like, so endearing that you don't care. Because he's not, like, Mickey Rooney from Breakfast at Tiffany's caricature. He's just, like, yeah, I mean, they make a, they make, like, the, oh, like, the, I don't know, like, the stereotypical, like, fucking Japanese samurai. That's this episode. They make that joke. And, like, it should not land. 
he's just so dry. Exactly. I love it. I think that's why a lot of this works is because everyone is so dry for the most part. So the real crux of this episode is this nasty little man who was drunk and they throw him in the drunk tank and he's basically, don't you know who I am? I am the head of the, and then it's the same joke repeated over and over again of this incredibly long bureaucratic name for some division that nobody gives a shit about. And uh, to show my appreciation, I'm going to make you the chief of the Bureau of Federal Regional Development and Planning for underdeveloped suburban areas, mines, parks, and India. (laughs) Wow. Thanks a bunch, big fella. And apparently he was appointed there by Nixon because he managed to win Nixon, what, five or six states in the last election? Probably through nefarious means. Well, if Nixon's involved, he's not a crook. But you know who says that? Someone who is a crook. Crooks say they're not crooks. If you're not a crook, you normally don't have to defend yourself against it. I, I, I don't like this episode because it feels like it just meanders. Like the first episode, The Courtesans, is just kind of like tone deaf and bad. And this episode just doesn't seem to do anything. The A, B, and C story are all given the same weight. The A story of the little man from Washington, the B story of Wojo finding the fly in a sandwich and getting the deli closed and how upset the guy is and that it has to reopen, blah, blah, blah. And then Chano getting ripped off and apprehending the thief who happens to be a 12-year-old kid. Meh. Yeah, nothing Nothing consequential happens with any of the stories. And so at the end of the day, like you said, if they give all three of these stories the same weight the ones that they shouldn't have given weight fall even like harder because it's like why why do we care that he got robbed like why do we care that a child robbed chana like who cares that could have been funny that could have been a lot funnier and it could have been the a story that could have polished that thing up and maybe talked a little bit more about chano and his family and just actually given a little bit of heart it doesn't have to be a very special episode of barney miller but they could have at least Pleaded a little bit more for heart and for laughs. That's not a child. That's a little man. It's the orphan. <laughs> yeah, that's all I could think of. Is like it's like a literal. They have like a literal child at the precinct. Yeah, you know the whole story with the bureaucrat and him being, you know, like oh, you know, I I'm drunk, but I don't remember being drunk. Like God, it's so played out. I felt a lot more for the uh, guy in the trench coat, the flasher from a few episodes, who was trying to kill himself. Me too. That was an interesting episode with an interesting character at the center of it. This one is just like, are we supposed to feel bad for you? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I didn't understand what point they were trying to make with his character. Because it was supposed to be something about like fighting the man and like standing up to the man, but it doesn't work that way. They don't. It doesn't come across that way in the episode. Yeah, and that he has to back down at the end and actually tries to save the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. I don't really ever have to watch this one again. No, and look, there. I mean, look, this is a show that's like eight seasons long. There are going to be episodes that are this, and it'll probably be closer to 50-50 if they are or they aren't like this when we get to the end of the show. So buckle up, because that's the reality. So of the three shows that we watch, I would say Stick With Stakeout 
skip the other two. I would agree. 100%. The second one is definitely worth the watch. I mean, look, these are 30 minute episodes anyways, but if it's eight seasons long, 30 minutes, I mean, that's a lot of time over the span of eight seasons. So, so yeah, if you're going to do a Barney Miller's greatest hits, I mean, Stakeout might not make the cut, but that one definitely should be in the pile rather than the other two. It definitely made a case for itself being remembered more than the other two did. It's the first appearance of Fish's wife. Hopefully we'll see more of Bernice pretty soon. I hope so, because she's great. So, Chris, what has been going on in your world, sir? Um, You know, the same thing that's been going on in a lot of people's worlds, which is working, trying to stay busy, and keeping things out of our minds that we don't want to talk about, and we're not going to mention it. Don't say it, because if you say it, it's like Voldemort, right? Isn't that what this is now? Like, don't say it. Because, like, it's one of those things, like, it's like a shit, like a thin veneer of, like, people for kind of forgetting about it. And then when you mention it, it's like it all kind of sets back in. So I'm just staying busy recording content for everybody to listen to. And hopefully you will. We're doing um, we're doing a new podcast called Scary Stories We Tell, where it's a true crime, uh, supernatural, paranormal podcast. You should definitely check that out. That is something that I am super proud that I am working on. I'm working on that with Jess Byard. Her and I are taking a stab at something that is completely unlike anything either one of us have ever done before. I'm still doing the culture cast. Just follow me on Twitter, casualty underscore Chris. That is where I talk about pretty much everything I work on and I tweet it incessantly. And, and yeah, what about you, Mike? Well, uh, still doing, um, dreams for sale. I think we're going to be recording another two episodes of that in next week, a week from tonight, I think. And then also I do a little thing called the projection booth where every week we talk about a different movie or maybe two. This, this month seems to be, uh, turning into a lot of twofers going on. I'm not sure if that's just, you know, nothing better to do or what's going on, but, uh, that's just how it's ended up. Yeah. Something like that. So. And that's available at projectionboothpodcast.com. I want to thank John Walker for our theme song. Thank you very much, John. And Chris, you want to thank our cover artist? And I want to do a big shout out to my good friend, Maggie the Odd, for doing our cover art. If you don't know what it's inspired by, it's okay. I didn't either until she told me there was a Barney Miller board game. Yeah, it's inspired by the art of that. You, uh, If you look at the album artwork, you'll see Mike and myself, close approximations of the two. We look much more handsome on there than we do in real life, or maybe it's the other way around. And we are sitting there with none other than our good friend, Barney Miller, in the precinct. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please head on over to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. We would appreciate it, and maybe more than like 20 people will listen to this podcast. But for those 20 people that do, thanks. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. I'm not ashamed to say. It always will stay this way My hat is off Won't you stand up and take a bow
you 